This is Monocle on Design, a show where we unpack everything from architecture and craft to furniture and fashion. I'm Nick Manise. On today's program, we're focusing on fashion. We highlight the platforms that are challenging ideas of fast-paced consumption. We look at revamping our current wardrobe with renting and repair, as well as sustainable choices when it comes to sourcing the sartorial. All that coming up on Monocle on Design. Hello and welcome to today's program. As I said at the top, we're looking at fashion, but at a slower pace. For those of you who have ever dropped by our HQ at Midori House, you'll know that my wardrobe is composed of a carefully balanced collection of investment pieces and vintage garments. My logic is twofold. Investment pieces, when they start to age, are perfect candidates for spot repairs. And vintage pieces have already proven that they can stand the test of time. Plus, there's something exciting about walking around in what was once someone else's clothes and adding to the garment's story. For me, the old saying of buy once and buy well rings true. But for those who aren't looking to buy, yet still want quality pieces, and a wardrobe that's constantly evolving, then perhaps renting clothing might be a better option. Buy Rotation is an online platform that allows users to lend and rent designer fashion. Since starting three and a half years ago, it has grown significantly in the UK, and this year used that success to launch in the US. By Rotation founder and CEO, Ashita Cabra-Davies, joined Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi, in our studios to tell us a little more. When it comes to fashion rental, it's about sharing what you already have with each other, less about access and convenience to designers, but more about using what we already have and also monetizing that and saving money all at the same time. Since those earlier days when you were in your apartment building by rotation and now, do you find that people's attitudes towards their wardrobes, how they pick, what they buy, what they pick to rent has really transformed to slightly different, more mindful way of consumption? I like to think so, and we definitely see that within our community. A lot of our top lenders have told us anecdotally how they've stopped shopping fast fashion altogether how they're substituting their fast fashion prices by renting from others within the community and how they're also becoming much more strategic when they do go shopping. So they buy higher quality items because they know that by investing in those pieces, not only can they monetize them by lending them out to various others on the app, but they can also continue to own them and then eventually resell them on our platform since we have a resale um, option as well. So we've made, I would say, uh, a lot of our users much more conscious of the fact that not only is this great for the planet, but it can actually be a great investment. So contemporary fashion is actually now become an asset class on our app beyond just your Chanel and your Birkin bags. So it's a whole different mindset in a way where you're not just thinking about spending money, but about using your wardrobe as an asset. When it comes to design, because this is on this show, we're always speaking about the value of timeless, well-made design. Do you find that thinking in this new way of consumption has also changed people's attitudes towards what is a good design, what lasts, what what has most value? We created this tool on the app called the Lender Activity Dashboard 
So if you're familiar with social networks that have business accounts, you'll notice that they have professional insights as well. So we've done that for our lenders where they can see the total value of all their listings, uh, the amount of rental income they've made since they've started lending on the app. So they can see their ROI, their return on investment. They can also see the top brand for them, the top listing, the top color. So they become much more educated in what is actually a great investment when it comes to lending it out to others and still enjoying it themselves. So it has really enabled people to become much more conscious of what is actually a good purchase altogether. And therefore, what are good brands, which who are good designers, what is actually, you know, um, in fashion. What are some of the insights that you have gotten from lending out your own wardrobe, but also building the app as a whole in terms of the designers that actually retain their value, the brands that work best on the platform? I think it's going to be very interesting now that we've launched in the U.S. to see, um, you know, the differences when it comes to brand mix uh, and also category mix. What we've seen in the U.K. is that dresses are the best performers and it's actually contemporary brands like Zimmerman, Age and Self-Portrait that do very well versus what we might have originally thought, such as Prada and Dior and Chanel, like very, very high fashion. So it's very interesting to know that, you know, just contemporary fashion dresses can be amazing asset classes where some of these items have made over nine times or ten times their retail value, which to me is crazy to think that some of the pieces in your wardrobe could be um, giving you more um, value than, you know, stock that you might have in your portfolio. There's quite a lot of users on the app now who are using this not just as a side hustle, so like supplementary income, but some of them have even quit their day jobs because they're able to make more money by lending out their wardrobes and spend time with their kids because childcare can be very expensive and work from home essentially because they know how to invest in high quality pieces. And that's an unintended consequence of by rotation. It's not really what I set out to do, but it's been very, very interesting to see that the demand is so high and um, it's become like a real um, business opportunity. That's incredible. So essentially this women are being paid for having good taste and for being able to spot the right designs and the right brands and share them with with the rest of the community. Exactly. And they're not stylists. They're not fashion editors. They're not influencers. They're not celebrities. They're regular women that you might see on the high street. And I think that's what I'm really, really, you know, passionate about, about empowering the end average consumer. And we've really been able to do that with By Rotation. Having met some of them and created connections with them, is there sort of a common factor between all of them when it comes to how they dress, how they pick different brands, different designs that they list on the app or something that's really inspiring about them? One thing that we all have in common that I've seen is that we're all very pragmatic women who understand value, be that value for money, but also their environmental value that they're kind of driving by sharing items rather than buying new. Does also the opportunity to rent something for a lower price than have to invest in the full price encourage people to get a little bit more experimental with the designs that they pick or even with with their um, primary market purchases? It does enable women to express themselves without, you know, having that guilt of uh, buying something that might be very expensive or worse, buying fast fashion, buying something that they actually 
didn't really like or didn't really feel comfortable with. And then they ended up sort of donating it or throwing it away. So this really promotes people to experiment with their style, maybe those that they could never even afford in the first place. A lot of women actually end up trying before buying. And that's why they use the app, especially when it comes to expensive purchases. You could rent a Bottega Veneta Jody bag, uh, which I actually rented for my holiday last year, only then to realize that the bag was quite um, impractical when it comes to how it rests on my arm. That's a great tip. So you can test drive expensive purchases and, and these investment pieces before buying them. Having spoken quite a bit about community, how important is it to complement this incredible service that you offer in Biorotation with physical events and these get-togethers that you often organize for, for these women to meet in person and also physical retail shops? Commercially speaking and just very pragmatically speaking, we are a two-sided marketplace. So it's really important for us to keep our lenders and our renters, so our demand and supply, very happy. And we do that by, you know, um, hosting all these in-real-life events, uh, but then also doing a lot of user-generated content. So if you look at our marketing channels, uh, we're always showcasing our customers. And they love that. They love being acknowledged and listened to and, you know, even displayed for that matter. I think a lot of brands sort of forgot how to do that. It became a bit too much of elevated aspirational marketing. Whereas for us, it's all about appealing to the everyday woman and show her that she too can be a part of this community, even though it's curated. By Rotation founder and CEO is Sheeta Cabra-Davies. We now turn our attention to Repair and Sojo, the clothing alterations app working to modernise the garment repair and tailoring industry. Since starting back in 2021, business has boomed, thanks to partnerships with brands such as Denmark's Ganny and a recent residency at Selfridge's flagship shop in London. To find out more about Sojo's journey, let's hear from their founder and CEO. It started a few years ago when I was at university. I got into sustainable fashion through a feminist lens. The fast fashion industry is an incredibly exploitative model when it comes to the garment workers who are predominantly women of colour in the global south. And it was something that I didn't align myself to when I discovered that this exploitative aspect of the sector was something that was rife and totally opaque. Like I didn't know about it. And when I discovered it, I was like, okay, I'm totally quitting fast fashion. And then when I moved into the sustainable fashion space, I realised that when I wanted to get my clothes repaired, because I didn't know how to sew, I found that the whole process was really long and inconvenient. And for a younger generation who's used to things at their fingertips, it was something that I thought, gosh, this could really be modernized and made simple and easier. And I think for people who don't know how to sew, which is many of us now, how can we make it so that within a few clicks, you can get your clothes repaired? How can also we create a future where clothes fit us really well and last a long time? The beginning started very much consumer focused because I was creating it for myself. I think a lot of entrepreneurs create a business because they want that and it doesn't exist. And then they're like, well, I want to build it. Um, so for me, it was that I wanted myself to book something on an app and be able to have it altered and repaired really easily and launch that into the world. And it was fantastic. And we were getting amazing reception and people were organically using it and coming back and repeat customers and community posting about it. It was amazing. But 
is in that time, there were a couple of things that we realized. One was the scalability piece, changing people's mindsets, getting new behaviors to be adopted is difficult. We were getting inbounds from brands who were saying, we're looking to embed more circularity into us from the inside out, essentially, for the fashion industry. And we want to be more sustainable and be more circular. And is this a way where we can work together to achieve that? And one of those brands that was definitely our hero and our favorite was Ghani. And actually, that was a huge learning when we went to investors with that conversation, which was it will help us scale our solution and our impact if we're able to work with brands to offer repairs to their customers and offer tailoring for their customers to change that behavior. We want all brands to be responsible and it's aligning to things like legislation that hopefully will come at some point. And I think we just realized that we can align scalability with impact by working with brands. What is the main block or barrier for brands to be making those changes already? Or is it just, it's a way we've always done things, Mm. therefore it's not broken, we don't fix it. Or maybe in their eyes, it's not broken. So from your experience in speaking with people, what tends to be those barriers? And I'm not going to ask you to solve the problem, but yeah, maybe we start with Mm. the challenge first. Startups have this amazing opportunity to disrupt because they're starting from the ground up we're able to create things anew we're able to be like we don't like the way that's done and we can start afresh whether that be from teams system structure it's why startup cultures can be so unique and different big corps companies that have been around for years decades sometimes 100 years with some of these brands they are reasonably set in stone and they have their way of doing things and it's really hard to disrupt when something is created and a system already exists so i think it's so important to combine the disruption and the innovation of a startup with a company that is well established because actually to change things themselves is really difficult and also They have certain things that they're focusing on and that they have expertise in, but the startups have the expertise in all those kind of tangential parts. So we are going to be the experts in the tailoring and repair space and already are way more than these brands. So for them to learn themselves when they have so much else to focus on, as well as the other circular initiatives, it's better for them to work with companies that are really doing it well and are doing it as a plug and play solution. You've had your recent pop-up in Selfridges. You're there for a month um, showcasing what you're up to to a much wider audience who maybe haven't come across you so far. Are these department stores pop-ups or an event so in-person experiences where people actually sort of move away from the app and into real world? Something you're looking to do more of or how does that fit into your wider picture? We just want to make it as easy as possible. And what that looks like often is digital and it also looks like physical as well. And I think it's the combination. If you want people to adopt behaviours especially ones that are arguably more sustainable. They often come with quite a bit of friction. What we found is really exciting with bringing our experience in person is that it allows for that, oh, I'm going to pop in after work. And then maybe they get to know us as a brand and then they book us online a month later. For some people, digital is just a step too much. And for others, that's the only way they engage with services. Having a platform like Selfridges support us through that, and especially like that brand alignment, it's such an iconic brand, has been really powerful. And we definitely want to continue doing that in the future. Looking ahead to the future, what are you excited about coming up or where are you hoping to go next? I always try and think about things, I suppose, in the framework of twofold. One is the impact and one is the success of the business. And I think what's really great about tech for good or startups that are doing things in the circular space is like the more that you 
do as a business, the more successful of an impact you're having on the world. So I think the future that I'm just looking forward to is growth because it means fashion that's being stopped from going to waste. It means more brands that are coming on board with a new way of approaching things. As we focus on more orders, which is good for business, we're focusing on more impact. And so that's just what I want for the future. I want us to grow, 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 grow. (laughs) I think the combination of consumer adoption, legislative change, brands making changes to their ways of doing things and their business models is all really exciting. I suppose for listeners who maybe think, oh, I don't know if this applies to me or they might feel a little bit removed from reconsidering their wardrobe and the way they consume clothing. I mean, what would you say to them? I really, really try and push slow fashion to not be exclusionary. So for those people who don't feel like they have a part to play in it, you definitely, definitely do. I think that the way that we consume and the hyper-disposability of our culture is a huge problem that we all partake in. And so slowing down mindset is really important and working on that as a first port of call and thinking about how can I not buy as much or how can I engage with clothing in a different way? We all can do that. Also, fundamentally, and actually investors hate this because they were like, "Um, who's your target market? And I was like, everyone. Everyone wears clothes. Clothes rip, clothes break, clothes don't fit. We change body shapes and sizes. Clothes only come in binary sizes. So this is for everyone. You know, if you have something that needs to fit you or have something that needs to be fixed, we're here for you, no matter who you are. Sojo founder and CEO Josephine Phillips there. My thanks to Maylee Evans for that interview. We'll be right back after this. The perfect graduation gift. Shape their future career path by subscribing to Monocle. This summer, Monocle is extending a special offer on subscriptions to students who are embarking on new adventures and want to see the world through an optimistic lens. Visit monocle.com forward slash subscribe and enter the promo code GRADSUB23 to receive 20% off the price of any gift subscription today. Kickstart their endeavours and inspire curious minds. Once you've completed an audit of what is already in your wardrobe, you might realise that a key piece or two is missing. Or, maybe, that you're willing to part with a couple of items instead. Enter Hardly Ever Worn It, or Huey, as it's affectionately abbreviated, a platform for buying and selling clothing, shoes and accessories. Rachel Reevely, advisor to Huey, joined Natalie Theodosi in our Marlebone studios to reflect on the company's journey and recent trends on the app. I'd say a lot of people who are shopping with us are now predominantly shopping in the circular economy and buying less in the primary economy. So that's a big change. Before, when people would buy from us, they wouldn't necessarily have said that they'd bought something that was from a re-commerce platform. Whereas now, actually, that's really flipped. And people actually want to tell you that this item is from the second-hand economy. It says something about you. Fashion's very important like that. Fashion is really about your own identity. And I I can actually see a place not so far in the future that wearing only primary clothing could be a problem. That could really say something about you. We live on a finite planet. We cannot keep a linear system. Not only in fashion, but all industries need to be working in a circular business model. It's interesting to see kind of how that has been massively embraced. That ownership idea has entirely changed, you know, with Airbnb, Uber, or, you know, renting versus ownership of a home. And just like you say, our attitudes to the secondary economy are changing, has the attitude towards what makes good timeless design changed as well and moved away from something that's new to something that's more about quality and craft and maybe linked more to your personal sense of of style? 
I think it's a little bit of both. People aren't slaves to trends anymore. We just don't see those big movements quite in the same way. However, I think there's a duality to it that there are always those things that you want because it's timeless luxury. You know, that Laura Piana coat if you can stretch to it, the beautiful Birkin bag, the Chanel flat bag. These are things that will actually probably increase in value if you look after them. Because, of course, people come in for different reasons. Some people come in because they're extremely savvy and they understand that it's a revolving asset. I buy these things, I keep the dust bag, I keep the box, I keep the receipt. In 18 months' time, I can actually even sell certain products for more than I bought them for. I think a lot of the growth in the second-hand market has been coming so far from these communities who love this design and who are also environmentally conscious and want to make more responsible choices. But there now has been uh, government legislation that is being put in place. Tell me a little bit about that and how that is going to be helping the business expand even further. On a much more macro, much more important level, we need it. We can't have lofty goals. We need things to be happening immediately. So it was exciting to see that EU law is going to be passed where textiles in particular are going to have to be re- used, repaired, recycled. So by nature, they're going to have to be better quality at the beginning. Also that you can't, if you're returning something, that retailer can't just sort of conveniently try and get rid of that. It now has to have a process, i.e. the cycle will be followed from ground to the whole supply chain. So that transparency is going to be a fantastic thing to see. But it also means that, therefore, there will actually be more products that will naturally last longer, will therefore be used more. And for me, it's so sort of fascinating because when you think about it, like very rarely would you buy a house that's new. Most people are buying a house that someone else has lived in. People collect, you know, vintage watches, vintage cars, vintage wine, and we imbue those things with desirability. And I think we are creatures of habit. And the great thing about that is habits can be changed. And really all you need to do is make the habit feel desirable and easy. And I think that is going to be the massive sort of shift that happens is that we'll come a point where probably listening to something like this would feel so strange. Like, what were they talking about? I talk about secondhand being second nature, but it will really just remove any of those, as I said, antiquated barriers to thinking about things because it's about maximizing product. And I think that will become the new cool. I wholeheartedly believe this is the future of retail and ignore it at your peril. It will be like ignoring digital 10 years ago for lots of people. There is such a huge addressable market. Why would you want to ignore it? It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Rachel Reevely, advisor to Hardly Ever Worn It, in conversation with Monocle's fashion editor, Natalie Theodosi. Finally on today's show, we search for those harder-to-find items with an independent alternative to personal shopping. Sourceware is a fashion sourcing app that helps users find and request clothing and accessories, past, present, new and pre-owned. Thanks to a verified and professional network of personal shoppers, sales advisors and private collectors. Sourceware has made buying a much-coveted piece a slower and more mindful process. Here's founder Erica Wright to explain how it all works. The idea is that you can place requests for items that you're searching for from present or past seasons and connect with a network that can track it down for you. So we're essentially a marketplace um, with sellers who are sourcing experts, um, boutiques, 
private collectors and personal shoppers and then um, a community of fashion insiders who love beautiful pieces and beautiful design and are on the hunt for sold out or rare timeless items. When we think of sourcing, we think of personal sourcing, but that's always been related to personal shopping. Quite a closed off and exclusive group of people. When you would try and look for certain pieces, you're spending a lot of time on marketplaces, Googling to try and find specific items. And the idea with Sourceware is we really wanted to open this up to everyone. We see a huge number of pieces that are requested from Parsis, most desired pieces, which are more the current season items that sell out really quickly in store, and then it's very hard to track them down. We had a bag from The Row, which was incredibly hard to find about a year ago, and the client, about two months in of not being able to find it, had placed a request on the Sourceware app, and within 21 minutes had received a match from a boutique partner in Italy, who then were able to sort of ship it same day. It ranges from these kind of most desired current season pieces to past season finds. We see customers come to us for collaborations, rare limited collections that were only produced for a certain period of time. We saw the rise of this appeal of vintage and specifically archive styles. There was definitely a period where Carolyn Bissett Kennedy was trending on Instagram and all these kind of past season 90s references to her style. We had the current season Prada re-edition that was released. The Sourceware customer was coming to us for the vintage piece, so that specific piece from the 90s and trying to track down the original styles. Our clients are definitely incredibly savvy. They've done their research. They know exactly what they're looking for. A good design is always a good design, but when you have this personal journey attached to it, that's what makes it even more special for consumers. It's a less but better approach. That's really what we absolutely want to communicate in everything we do, from the curation of brands we have, the types of products that we promote on social media. All of those things are to encourage this, this mindset. Now I feel like there's so much for people to search through. This speed in which we see things, you know, of course, on social media even in store sometimes, this idea of slowing down and taking a step back and thinking, OK, what do I actually need in my wardrobe? Or what is one piece that I've really been looking for a really long time? Placing that request in the app and letting it happen on its own and getting back to your day to day without spending all the time searching for it. I think it's really important to have that narrative and say, we're going to help you find the exact item that you're looking for. And it may take two weeks, it may take a year, we will find you that item and you'll be able to hold on to it for a really long time and value it, invest in something that you can eventually resell or lend and it still hold its value in that way. To be able to really pin down one specific item and place a request for it, you're kind of committing yourself to that item and you've sort of already imagined and pictured it in your wardrobe. Phoebe Philo's Celine is our most requested past season brand on the app. We had a customer who placed a piece for a runway jumpsuit from the 2015 collection a year ago and the request was just matched to this week and the client was so excited and was able to access that piece after a year-long wait for the item. This just kind of shows the type of conscious collecting mindset that our community has, which is really great.
these different small niche groups, for example, the Phoebe Filo collectors, having those kind of small micro communities on this one network is really interesting because we do have only about 60 brands on the platform at the moment that people can request and source from. And with that, we're able to kind of identify these smaller communities of people that are really excited about these specific pieces. We were seeing this so much on Instagram prior to the launch of Sourceware, micro communities of people who are obsessed with vintage Margiela and vintage Hermes. At the same time, people that are following Jonathan Anderson's Loewe and are so excited about just sourcing from the time that he's been creative director. What we were seeing is there was sourcing experts available and selling those pieces via Instagram and via WhatsApp. And that was really where the idea of Sourceware was born. It was how do we bring all these small communities together on one platform and give them the opportunity to find something without having to spend so many hours trying to track it down themselves. Ultimately connecting them with a very specific niche group of sourcing experts or communities that you know have so much experience in identifying a lot of these pieces. When you have a sourcing expert for old Celine, for example, who has seen, say, I don't know, 50 pairs of one particular shoe, or they've seen how many times a specific bag has been sourced over the last sort of eight, nine years, they're able to give a kind of realistic time frame on when they're able to find that piece or be able to say, I actually know this wasn't produced. It was on the runway and it was in the showroom, but it never made it into the stores. Being able to share that knowledge as well is so important and it's really valuable as part of our networking community. That community element is, is incredibly important. This word timeless, it's absolutely consistent in all of these different brands that we see often sourced on the platform. They really care about the quality and the craftsmanship and they do sort of look into trends, but they're not producing these kind of hype products, if you like. Very much set on creating these pieces that are really beautiful, well-designed items that you can wear 40 years later and they'll still be as beautiful in your wardrobe. Most importantly, they'll still last. They're made of these incredible fabrics that will stand the test of time. We see this also with the likes of Emily Adams Bodie, who I think has just done an amazing job, especially of shining a light on female entrepreneurship within menswear design, seeing this crossover between menswear and womenswear in the same way we see it at Le Mer, for example, that you can invest in these pieces and hold on to them for such a long time. The styles will be tweaked ever so slightly season to season where it doesn't really matter if it's three seasons old or four seasons old. 90% of the customers who are requesting pieces on Sourceware are happy to have either new or pre-owned versions of that item. And I think that's what makes a really beautiful and well-designed piece so desirable is when you really don't mind the condition of it or what season it came from, it's still going to be relevant in your wardrobe in 10, 20 years' time, in addition to the likes of um, Julie Palipas for Better and also Savette, um, a bag brand from New York, which I really admire. They're fairly new designers, but they make it sort of feel like an heirloom. And I think that those sort of pieces that are really beautifully designed will hold as a timeless piece in your wardrobe. Sourceware's founder and CEO, Erica Wright there. And that's all for today's show. For more design stories, listen to our five-minute midweek bonus show, Monocle on Design Extra, which airs on Thursdays. And if you enjoy print then do pick up a copy of Monocle magazine as well. It's on all good newsstands now. 
Today's episode was produced by Maylee Evans. She also edited the show with assistance from Tamsin Howard and Mariella Bevan. Special thanks also to Natalie Theodosi. I'm Nick Manise, and you can reach me on nm at monocle.com. Thanks for listening. Listener.